true witness. He's the one who is saying to everyone, my witness of who the Father is and who I am, it is faithful and it is true. Jesus, of course, said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And see, this is why I love Jesus so much. This is why I'm so grateful to follow Jesus. Because in Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. He is sure and valid, and he's also faithful and true. What has Jesus been doing in your life lately? It might be hard to see right away. Sometimes what the Lord is doing is subtle, but powerful. And you may not think he's doing anything at all. But Pastor Daniel reminds you today that God is faithful. You know this because Jesus has said so. He is a witness for the Father and his word is good. There's evidence of that throughout scripture. So you can trust that the Father is working because Jesus said so. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 3 as he begins his message, The Church in Laodicea. And when I think about the series that we're doing in the book of Revelation, I can't help but think these seven letters to the seven churches that we've been studying together, they each show what has someone done with the reality that Jesus is the Messiah? What is a group of people gathered together What have we chosen to do with who Jesus is and what he's done for us? And we've seen in each one of these churches that we've been studying, they have different strengths and weaknesses, things things that they're doing well, things that they're struggling with, different contexts in which the ministry is happening, just like all of us. And every local church has a different, different community that they're in, different group of people that they're ministering to different variables of what they're dealing with. And really today we're going to be ending this series on the seven letters to the seven churches. And we'll, you know, as we go on into the resurrection season, then we'll continue on in Revelation 4 going forward. But we see the last of the seven churches and there's so much for us to learn here. So I want us to make sure we just jump right on in. Open up your Bibles, Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22 together. We always ask you to open your Bibles or to read along because I always like to tell people that really here at Crossroads, we're committed to teaching the scriptures. There's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of op-eds going on, but really God's word is his word and God exalts his word and we love his word. It's, we want to feast on it every day. And so Revelation chapter three, the seventh letter to the seventh church begins this way, Revelation 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. (laughs) <laughs> so I'll just give you the principle. And it's kind of a strange one, but it's important. You and I, we don't want to make Jesus sick. I mean, that's pretty much what it says. 
Now, we're going to get into how not to make Jesus sick, what makes Jesus sick, some of that stuff. But as we've always been saying, as we've been studying the book of Revelation, we're going to do this all the way through the book. The book of Revelation is about Jesus primarily. Everything else is a supporting idea. So many people that think about the apocalypse, the revelation, think it's about the battle of Megiddo, it's about the Antichrist, it's about the mark of the beast, it's about this or that. No, it's about Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus. And each one of these seven letters, Jesus begins with a, this is who I am. And to the church in Laodicea, now Laodicea was about 45 miles southeast of Philadelphia, which was the previous letter. So remember, I keep telling you, it makes like almost like a little half circle, a little horseshoe or whatever. And it was literally a hundred miles due east of the city of Ephesus, which was the first letter. So we've kind of completed this half circle. And Laodicea was in uh, an area called the Laotius Valley, which was also had the city of Colossae and Hierapolis. To the church in the Laodicea, in the church, the letter of the Colossians, Paul mentions a letter he wrote to the church of the Laodiceans. We don't have that letter in the scriptures, but Paul wrote a letter to the church. So it was in this area there, and it was an important center for trade and communication. It was a commercial center. And so to this church, Jesus reveals himself uniquely then to the other churches. Each church gets its own fresh revelation. Who is Jesus? And Jesus says, these things says the amen. Now, I love that, because you guys know the word amen. It's all through our Bibles, and it literally means so be it or let it be so, or if you want to be a little bit more quirky, it's true that. It's like when someone says, man, you know, Jesus is king, you say, amen, true that, yes, let it be so, right? When someone prays, you say, amen, right? But Jesus says, I am the amen. Of course, this literally means it's an acknowledgement of what is sure and valid, And if there's ever someone who is the acknowledgement of all that is sure and valid, it's Jesus himself. And in Jesus, all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. So in Jesus, all the fulfillment of what God has for us. And what's interesting is in the prophet Isaiah chapter 65 verse 16, God actually calls himself the God of truth, which in the Hebrew is literally the God of the amen. So all things with Jesus are amen. They're true, they're sure, they're valid. But he's not only saying, these things say the amen, but also the faithful and true witness. Now, I love this because Jesus is the one who is the perfect response and obedience to the Father. He is faithful and he is true and he is a witness. Now, that word witness in the Greek language is the word, we get the word, our word martyr from. So when we think of the word martyr in a Christian sense, somebody who gave up their life for their faith, but anytime someone is a witness in a court of law, they're saying, this is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. This is what I know. And Jesus is that faithful and true witness. He's the one who is saying to everyone, my witness of who the Father is and who I am, it is faithful and it is true. Jesus, of course, said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And see, this is why I love Jesus so much. This is why I'm so grateful to follow Jesus. Because in Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. He is sure and valid, and he's also faithful and true. Now, I realize that when I say something like that, people are bound to say, whether you follow Jesus or not, some people are bound to say, well, that might be true in your life, but he hasn't been faithful and true in my life. Now, I realize that if that's where you're at today, that is actually founded in all sorts of hurt and pain. And I'm super sorry that that's been your experience. And what I want to say as 
humbly and compassionately as I can is that when Jesus says that he's gonna be faithful and true or he is faithful and true, it doesn't mean that our life isn't gonna have all sorts of tragedies involved in it. What it means is that God is redemptive even in the midst of our tragedies. And I know that that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. It's a hard pill to be able to say, Jesus is faithful and true, even though everything went lousy. That hurt. It was not supposed to be that way. But with the eyes of faith, as we walk with Jesus and we trust him, what I have learned is that God has a tremendous ability to take the hardest things and make them the most formative. That's what I've experienced in my life. And I realize depending on the level of the tragedy, the level of the struggle, where the hurts lie, that might be a, a hard challenge, but I want to tell you that God is strong enough to meet you in the midst of the brokenness and the pain. And I believe if you say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And Lord, this is hard. And Lord, I never wanted this. This was not supposed to happen. This was not in the cards, God. I believe you say, but God, I believe, and I'm going to try and trust. I'm hanging on, Lord. I believe that you'll see God as redemptive. It might not be immediately, but it will happen over time because he's the faithful and true witness. But then he also says that he is the beginning of the creation of God. Now, this is a kind of a, a strange and a challenging one. Some of your translations say he's the ruler or the firstborn over all creation. And so the idea is that Jesus obviously is the sovereign in control. The idea of the beginning Right? Sometimes people say, oh, does that mean Jesus was created? And the answer was no. Jesus wasn't the first in creation. Really, it means that Jesus is the origin of all creation, the founding of creation. Some would also say, if you really wanted to get, if you, and it's amazing, I could do a whole sermon series on the beginning of the creation of God. Here's something really cool. I'll just, I'll just throw this out there. I'll drop it in there. I'll let you guys run with it later. You got to realize in the Bible, there are two creations, right? There's the creation of heavens and earth in Genesis 1, and then there is the new creation of the New Testament. And so the idea of Jesus being the beginning of the creation of God is being that Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation. There's no being born again, being brand new, without Jesus first doing it. So, so it's powerful. So you want to do a deep dive into the person of Jesus and what he's done? He is the ruler of all creation. He is the origin of all creation. And he is the first of the new creation. Now, isn't that a fun revelation, how he's working? I'll just leave that there and we'll move on, right? So this is who Jesus is, right? But then in talking to this church in Laodicea, he says, I know your works, I know what you're doing, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, that's why I said we don't want to make Jesus sick. Because the problem for the church in Laodicea, and let's just be honest, the problem for many of us is that we're kind of spiritually indifferent. We're lukewarm. Now, you think about this idea of Jesus vomiting this water out of his mouth. Now, for the church in Laodicea, this would mean some really important things because the city of Hierapolis, which was seven miles north of Laodicea, was known for its famous hot springs, Right? And what's interesting is Colossae, if you read extra biblical literature, they had really great pure cold water. Kind of being in between the two, the Laodiceans were used to having kind of lukewarm water. But you know what it's like? You, you ever go to drink a cup of, someone gives you a hand to drink a cup of coffee, here, have a cup of coffee, you expect it to be warm. 
right? But if it's kind of lukewarm, you're like, oh. Or if you're thirsty, you just went out for a run. I went running yesterday. Listen, if you ever see me running, just pray. So I was out running yesterday, you know, and, and, and like I was running and I'm like, when I get all I got, when I'm done running now, someone's bound to mess. So how much did you run? I ran a 3k. Everyone say, go pastor Daniel. I'm happy I made it here today. I should be panting on the side of the trail. It's like, oh, why do I do this? What's funny is I go run with my little Annabelle. She can run like three marathons and she doesn't even feel it. She's like, this is great. I'm like, I'm dying. But anyway, it's like when you're done running or if you're done working out, the last thing you want is lukewarm water, right? Because cold water at least refreshes. Warm water has kind of the healing principles to it, whether it's you're taking a cup of tea or soup. But really, lukewarm really doesn't have a purpose on either side. And so, like running on a hot day when you want something and you drink lukewarm water, you spit it right out, you don't want that. Because it's not fulfilling its purpose. And in the same way, the church in Laodicea, with its complacency, it's self-satisfaction, it's indifference, is really missing out on what Jesus has. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you're missing out on it because it's, it doesn't fulfill its purpose. Now, let's just talk about this for a second. Because I know when we start talking about this idea of being kind of lukewarm, spiritually complacent, it'd be easy to say, well, listen, so Fusco, you're a pastor, you never feel that way, and that's not true at all. I'm just like all of you. We're all taking this together. Right? And I'm here to tell you, as someone who's followed Jesus for over two decades and been in ministry, that we have to battle for spiritual vitality and vibrancy. And the reason we have to battle for it is because it is not the natural condition of the human heart. It is a work of God by his spirit. And if you are not continually cultivating spiritual vitality, the normal flow of life and the way that we live, your vitality will be lessening over time. And I am quite sure, without taking a show of hands here in our line, that if I'm saying, how many of you feel like you're spiritually complacent and lukewarm right now, your hands won't go up because you don't want other people to know, but deep down in your heart, you're like, that's totally me right now, right? And and I'm here to tell you that as one of your brothers in, in the faith, one of your pastors, I have to battle for my spiritual vitality every day. I have to fight for it. Because you can read your Bible every day and still not be spiritually vibrant. You can pray every day and not be spiritually vibrant. You might think to yourself, no, no, but if you're reading the word, no. Because sometimes you can read the word and the word breaks your heart, levels you, challenges you. And other times you read the word and you're just, okay, yeah, okay. Jesus healed someone, that's awesome, okay. Right? And we live in a day and age, of course, with all that we've gone through as a culture and are going through over the last couple years. Like, if you listen to the social scientists, which we should, they give us a good insight into what's going on and what's on people's minds and hearts. They're talking about this condition called languishing. It's been, you know, written about. There's TED Talks about it now. Adam Weber, who's one of the foremost social psychologists, the Wharton School of Business, and he's talked about this many, many times. And now people are talking about this idea of people just feeling depleted, you know, people just feeling like they're just kind of languishing in all of this. And it's like, and that's real because of all the the pressure that we've gone through and all that's happening. And then you have all the struggles that are going on in families and in communities, you know, after, you know, two years of, it just feels like a constant boxing match with the world and life. People are tired or people are pretending like they're not tired, just more angry and agitated, right? And everyone's just kind of like hitting this point. It almost feels like a breaking point. 
And as I think about this, I think to myself, you know what? For the people of God, we're in that same thing. It's not like we're divorced from it because we believe in Jesus. But what happens is if you're not careful and if you're not saying, Lord, I want a fellowship with you today. I want to walk with you today. Lord, I need to do battle against the things that rob my soul of joy. If you don't show up for that battle every day, I guarantee you, you're in that battle. You're just losing the battle. And what's amazing is for the church of Laodicea, they were doing work. They were a church, but they were lukewarm overall. And we're going to see why in a second. But what I want to encourage you is I want to encourage you to say, Lord, will you help me take my spiritual temperature today? Like, where am I at right now? Now, here's what I want to tell you. Whatever your spiritual temperature is right now, that is not the end of the story. Like any journey, you need to know your starting point to find a course to the destination. But if you're here today and you're saying, I am lukewarm today. I'm not hot, on fire for Jesus, really excited about my faith, or I'm not cold. What's amazing that Jesus would prefer people to be completely off than to be there but bland Very provocative. Like, you're like, really? Because the problem with spiritual complacency is unless you diagnose what's going on, it's going to continue because it's normal. So it's like Jesus wants us to be able to say, this is where I'm at today. And I'm going to tell you here at Crossroads, a lot of churches, like, unless you're like, I am so on fire for Jesus that you feel like you don't fit in. This is like, this is, everyone's in a different spot today. And wherever you are, I'm going to tell you, we accept you right where you are. And so does Jesus. But the key is, don't, you don't want to stay where you are. That's the key. Wherever we are today, if you're like, man, right now, I am so on fire, then praise God. Keep stoking that fire out. Like, don't change anything. But if you're like, man, I think I'm a little bit indifferent. I'm a little complacent spiritually. You know, there was a time when I was all excited about the things of God, but now I don't know. Then you say, okay, this is where I'm at. Lord, what are the steps I'm supposed to take? Now, you want to turn up the temperature? Get hungry. I'm here to tell you. When you set yourself apart to fast, all sorts of things. Now, if you've never fasted before, it's you're giving up something so that you can seek after God with that time. In the Bible, fasting is almost always food-related because God's like, yeah, you need food, but I want you to not eat so that you can seek me instead. Now, listen, I want you to talk to your doctor. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the internet or on a TV show, but I realize that for some of you, fasting can be challenging because of you know uh, different health conditions, so I want you to be careful. But here's the deal. The key is like I'm setting myself apart for God. I'm here to tell you, when you fast, God meets you in very powerful ways. I don't understand it. I just know that every time I fast, God does something crazy in my heart. And so I'm excited for that. And I want to encourage you, make a plan to fast. And if you're like, listen, I think I am lukewarm, then I want you to say, Lord, I will, will you raise my spiritual temperature? Lord, what, am I, what steps am I supposed to take? Lord, what did I used to do when I was on fire that I've stopped doing now? And let the Lord do the work in our hearts. Now, here's what I want to tell you, is that really our spiritual vitality is a inside thing. It's a soul-level thing that God does. It's a heart-level thing. But it always is encouraged or discouraged by outward actions. So I was just talking to someone recently, and I know this very personally in my own life, that when I do not feel spiritually vital, I continue to serve Jesus. I'm here to tell you that if I only preached what I felt like super spiritually vital and encouraged and vibrant, I wouldn't preach very much because I'm a person and I'm trying to walk with Jesus like all the rest of us. 
But the key is, is that when you aren't feeling all that excitement spiritually, when you show up, oftentimes by showing up, you see God moving and that gets you excited. So the key is to be faithful if you're continuing on. But don't feel like, oh, I don't feel really, really vivacious spiritually right now, so I don't want to serve. No, no, you should serve still. But the key is to saying, Lord, as I'm serving, I always say, Lord, I'm going to do what I know to be right, but will you bring my heart around? And I realize that my heart is always in last place. You know, and I'm saying, Lord, we do that work in me. Lord, ex- excite my heart for this. Get me excited about what you're doing. But you got to keep showing on up. But it's something on the inside. It's like, it's your internal spiritual temperature. And really for the church of the Laodicea, it's not that they didn't have works. It wasn't that they weren't together as a church, but Jesus says on a heart level, there's a blandness or an indifference to the things of God, to the things of faith, to the things of discipleship. So from there, Jesus doesn't just say, listen, you're making me sick, but that's what he says. He wants to give them the diagnosis why they're like this. Look what it says next. And this is a tough one for us. So I'm going to read this, and now I want us to let it land. I want to let it land. Listen to what it says. He says, verse 17, Because you say I'm rich, I have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Now, to put this in context, I would say simply, the principle we learn here is that you need to receive the rebuke. Jesus is calling out why the church of the Laodiceans is lukewarm. And it's simply because they suffered from a spiritual blindness and they were kind of ignorant of their position. See, for the church of the Laodiceans, because it was a commercial center, they were more wealthy than other people. And because they had been doing well materially, they're like, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I have everything that I need. Now, here's the deal. I realize that as a church family, I realize that Vancouver, Washington, and the Portland metro area isn't the most affluent area in the world, but by global standards, we all live in more comfort than anywhere else in the world. Like, you know, I always tell people, like, we have to put things in context. Now, of course, there are people in our society who are billionaires and all this different stuff, but if you look at the global wealth standard, all of us are in the 1%. Anybody who makes more than $20,000 a year is in the top 1% of wage earners in the globe. Right? So by and large, all of us live in comfort. I mean, we're here in church. You're wearing clothes. Praise God. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's like, amen. You know, it's like you ate. And if you didn't eat, we'll give you some food when you're here. Like, we have a lot. But the thing is, is for the church in Laodicea, they were ignorant to where they were at spiritually because they were comfortable. Comfort is good, except when it causes you to lose the fire of the relationship you have with the Lord. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you to not get too comfortable in your walk. Don't let a desire for ease and stability take precedent. Instead, ask the Lord to show you areas where you've put your happiness ahead of His agenda and ask for the strength you need to step out in faith. 
he'll come through. Just give him the opportunity. Hey, everybody. Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel reminds you that God wants to work in your life too. Just as he's calling out the church in Laodicea for their areas of lack in life, so too is he calling out the church as a whole. And as a part of that church, you need to pay attention too. Where are the areas of your life where you've grown lukewarm, even cold toward the Lord? Let him open your eyes and then repent. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.